Welcome to Facing Vert, both on trails and in life. I'm your host, Tara Jordan, and today I have with me Jordan and Brittany Hutch- Hutchinson. Oh. I said almost said it wrong there. <laughs> um, you got it. You're but good. <laughs> so the two of you are a do, do a sport that I know literally nothing about, and that's bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. And I know Brittany, you've you've kind of stepped away from it, but Jordan, you have now become a pro mm-hmm. bodybuilder, which yeah. um, I know is extremely difficult to get to that level in yeah. any sport. So I'm I I'm so interested in digging into this and figuring out the discipline of the sport of and how you train, you know, the, I know nutrition is huge is. and there's different stages of training. And I, I correlate it with ultra ultra running in a way. Um, and I think that's why I'm so interested because in ultra running, you know, you're training for a race typically, mm-hmm. and there's different things that you do farther away from the race. And then as you get closer, you're, you, you're, if it's a climbing race, you're climbing mm-hmm. more and you're you're doing more of what the race is going to be. And I think in your sport, it's mm-hmm. similar. You're yeah. you've got this time that if you're far away from your event, you're doing something different mm-hmm. from when you get closer. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay, so I've got that part right. Yeah. So that's you, good. <laughs> you're on point with that. Yeah. Best transition periods for sure. Good. Yeah. Well, I think first of all is what I want people to to hear is just to learn a little bit more about the two of you. Um, I, you know, I know you from church, but yeah. other than that, I really don't know much about you. So I, I really want to hear about the two of you. So I'll just start with you, Brittany. Yeah. Where um, did you grow up? And and just tell me a little bit about yourself. So I am not from here at all. Okay. <laughs> I am from New Jersey, um, right near the Jersey Shore. I was born and raised there. Um, and about 27 or 28 years old, me and Jordan met and we met on Instagram actually through oh, 2020. Um, 20, yeah, in 2020, um, we met through Instagram through a um, sponsorship program that we were both athletes for like supplement ambassadors. Company, yeah. I was a supplement company that's been around for gosh, forever. forever yeah. uh, it's like 40 years old. Animal pack. Uh, animal pack. Um, that you, you were made. working for or that we you were, were both like ambassadors for them. Like okay. Entry level sponsorship. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was really cool. Uh, I was like one of the first females that they ever did that with. It was like more of like a newer thing that they did, but we met through like Instagram through a messaging app. We were all in a group message and he saw me and I saw him I and saw it was just like, and I slid into the DMs. Yep. <laughs> he, he sure did. Awesome. And, uh, that was, um, that was how we met. And I wound up, uh, he wound up doing a diet for me for a photo shoot that I've never done before. I, I wound up doing like a promotional video for animal. Uh, and I was running at the time. So it was like a running calisthenics, like athletic, promotional video because I was also weightlifting at the time I was kind of doing both um and he flew up to New Jersey a couple of times and then I flew down here once and I was like oh my gosh like this is the most stunning place I've ever seen in my life took her on the Blue Ridge yeah he he knew exactly how to wrap me in (laughs) (laughs) but uh we went up on the Blue Ridge Parkway and I was like gosh I would I would love to live here and uh because I've always been more of um more introverted on the side. So I like to kind of stay indoors, but have nature all around me. And, uh, New Jersey is not like that. So, no. <laughs> uh, it is not. Um, but anyway, so we wound up, um, uh, just promising each other that we wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. And we got married 
six we were, months later. Yeah, and we were engaged uh, in December and then married the following March. Yep. <laughs> and here we are. We're about to celebrate our third year wedding anniversary in a couple still of months. Still newlyweds. <laughs> yeah, still newlyweds. Mm-hmm. And uh and yeah, so that's pretty much about me. I uh I was a pediatric dental assistant slash hygienist for 13 years. Um, and when I moved in to New Ash- Jersey, in New Jersey, okay. and then also when I moved to Asheville, um, but it was a little tough during COVID. Um, it kind of sure. really put me down uh, emotionally wise. And it was just very stressful. Um, I really couldn't do what I love to do, which was to literally be with children because parents were so restrictive and all the, all mm. the laws and rules were so restrictive. And I just felt like I wasn't doing my job anymore, basically. So I wanted to do something a little bit different. And I, I literally, uh, put all my faith in God and I said, okay, I'm giving you everything. I need you to open a door for me, open something brand new. And I wound up opening, a um, an air, an Airbnb or vacation cleaning company here in town, because that's what Asheville really is. It's a travel town. Um, and I named it faithful cleaning company and, um, I give all the glory to God for it every day. And that's really it. That's where, that's where I'm at here. <laughs> so, sorry, Jordan, I'm going no, to ask okay. more questions. Yeah, to sorry. No, no. <laughs> I she just went all in. as much on her bodybuilding journey either. Yeah, I'll go well, into that. Well, yeah, and we'll yeah. go into that. But um, growing up, were you an athlete? Is this something you got into later in life in terms of, of the running and the, the strength and, and all of that? Um, my brother and I are just a year apart and we both were into sports together our whole life. Okay. It was football and I did football with him too. Oh, awesome. It was cheerleading when he was doing football and I even played flag football. I did soccer. We both did baseball and softball. I did gymnastics. I was kind of pretty sporty my mm-hmm. whole life. Um, but then around teenage years, um, I slowed down a lot and I started to get, um, very unhealthy as a lot of teenagers kind of do, they fall into that like weird, like hanging out with friends all the time and eating whatever. And I wound up um, being diagnosed with um, reactive hypoglycemia. And at the time, my doctor said, hey, go to the gym a couple times during the week. Just really get like your cardio in and just eat really healthy. And that turned into like times a thousand. I became obsessed with the gym. Mm. And that's where kind of my strength training and athleticism restarted. Um, and it was more just weight training in the beginning. Then I actually dove into CrossFit for a while. Um, and then it was, um, weight training and athleticism again, running at the same time and bodybuilding. And then it went into full bodybuilding. (laughs) You just liked that. Yeah. I, I love, I love a challenge. Um, and I'm also somebody who likes to do as much as I can. Um, especially like in the gym, I like to lift really, really heavy and challenge myself. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun, but I think at this moment right now, I'm just really happy where I am health wise and how I feel. Mm -hmm. So I've just slowed down a bit and stepped, stepped away a little bit, stepped away from all of that. Yeah. So now I'll transition to Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about where you grew up. Did you grow up here in the Asheville area? Yeah. So I've, I've, I grew up in Fletcher. And uh, it's 30 minutes south of Asheville. I grew up in the mountains, in the woods. I was homeschooled, uh, one of five kids. And I was into sports my whole life. Baseball and basketball at first, but then basketball for most of the time. Um, And then played football. And that's kind of what got me into weightlifting. Um, 
I actually hated weightlifting at first. You did? Yeah, I loved playing basketball. And I remember um, playing at the YMCA and my buddies would be like, hey, let's go lift weights. I'm like, oh my gosh, why do you guys want to do this again? Like, I hate lifting weights. <laughs> what did you hate about it? Because I, I hate lifting weights. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't like it and I never saw, saw results mm. because I just didn't know what I was doing. Sure. I remember like being maybe 14, 15 years old trying P90X at home mm -hmm. with weights at home. And they were talking about creatine and protein and macronutrients and all this stuff. I'm like, gosh, I'll never learn how to do all this stuff. <laughs> There's no way I'll ever gain muscle. I'm just going to be small forever. And so um, it was funny because I played it one season of football and then the football guys got me into the weight room. They'd kind of forced me. I was like, whatever, peer pressure. And so started working out with them and then saw results from it. And I was just immediately hooked. So what do you think of the difference was just why you saw results then? I think because you were more dedicated to it, more, more motivated to actually mm -hmm. be in there and not just go do, you know, three sets of bicep curls and then think that I'm going to see a difference <laughs> the next day, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I would always try to take a stab at it and like gain some muscle. Cause I was always skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I just wouldn't stay at it long enough to see the results to keep me motivated to keep going. So it was like having the football guys in there with me, having something to do together that was outside of what we would normally do. Mm -hmm. And they were all into it. I was like, well, I guess I got to get into it too. If I want to hang out with my friends more. And, um, then, I mean, my body just responded extremely fast. This was over 10 years now. So I've been in the gym consistently without missing a week over a decade. Wow. Um, because once I was hooked, I was in it. I just couldn't stop. And so I was about 17, um, and I was maybe 165 pounds when I started. And in the next, like, several months, I gained probably 30 pounds. It was like my body just wanted to grow. And um, at the time, I was eating anything I could get my hands on. It was like literally McDonald's burritos, sub sandwiches, wherever I could get them, <laughs> like packing protein bars galore and PB and J's with me, wherever I went, like just slamming food. And at 17, your body just really doesn't gain fat easily. Right. So <laughs> I gained true. a, I gained a ton of muscle and I had people in the gym start telling me, well, Hey, you should try bodybuilding. You should compete. I'm like, that's really weird. Those guys stand up on stage in like <laughs> these weird trunks and next to nothing. And right. I just, I don't know. That seems kind of odd to me, you know, because on, on the surface, bodybuilding can sometimes seem like a, some people call it a glorified beauty pageant because mm -hmm. it's like, it's like you're, you're up on stage, you're just posing, you're being judged. But once you really dive into the sport, it's so much more than that. Um, and so I took a stab at my first show in uh, 2015, I believe I was 19. And um, after that, I was totally hooked on competing. So it wasn't like I went into the gym with the intentions of ever doing what I do. Right. I just, um, I had a few people suggest that it would be something I'd be good at based on my response in the gym. And I tried it and then I was just hooked from thereafter and just dove into learning about nutrition, about training, about all that stuff. I started hiring coaches and 
it just went on from there. So that was kind of my beginnings. So how old were you when you did that first show? 18 or 19. 18 or 19. I think I, think I, I think I was 19. And how did that one go for you? Like, what was that experience like? Was it, was, it anything like you expected? It was interesting. I mean, so the guy that showed up, so I competed in a novice class, which is oh, like, tell me for what that means. Basically, either first timers or people that haven't won their class, haven't won a novice class. It's like the easier class for newer people. So you okay. can compete in open bodybuilding, which is everybody, it's the most competitive. Or you can compete in novice, which is like you're just getting started out. Okay. What's funny is the guy at that show, we both competed in novice and he beat me. He ended up being an IFBB pro as well, which is not that common to to go pro in bodybuilding. So, so um, explain what IFBB is. Yeah. So that's, I've seen that on your Instagram. I'm like, yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so basically the IFBB, there are different federations of bodybuilding. But IFBB is like the federation. So okay. if you've ever heard of the Olympia, yes, what Arnold competed uh -huh. at for years, that's the. I think IFBB. everybody knows that one. Yeah, right. you know, even I know that one because of Arnold. <laughs> yeah, right. So I mean, and he won. I think he won seven Olympias, and so that was back in the seventies. But it's been going on for a long time. So International Federation of Bodybuilding, they are basically the pinnacle of bodybuilding. The Olympia is the pinnacle of their shows. You've got like the Arnold classic and a bunch of other pro shows. But like, if you win the Olympia, you're considered the best in the world. Or if you're at the Olympia, you're like top 20 in the world. Um, and the NPC is basically the amateur federation of that. So as you work so your the, way like up, like the lower the ranks, level of the mm -hmm. IFBB, right. it's like okay. a ladder. You climb a ladder. Yeah. Okay, so like you top. earn your, you'll earn your pro <laughs> card by competing in the NPC. So the steps are you have to do a regional show to qualify for a national show. And then you've got to place a certain, usually you have to win your class or win the entire show at a national show to earn your pro card. And then the next step and is you can compete to get as an a amateur. Pro. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so basically it's regional show, the national pro qualifier. Then once you go pro, you can compete in pro shows. Okay. To go to the Olympia, you have to win a pro show. So you've got wow. like a bunch of different steps to make it up to the Olympia. And I think that's, you know, in a lot of sports, there's, you, you don't just go pro, you know, exactly. <laughs> as soon yeah. as you win a competition, it's, it's definitely a, a, a stepping stones sure. to get there. Right. So yeah, that's interesting for there's me. There's been a lot of steps. Yeah. <laughs> so back to that first show, yeah. how scary was that? Or was it just something so new and exciting that it was, was more of an adventure? Yeah. I mean, I was definitely kind of nervous prior because I've never done it, but as it's funny, I've told a lot of people this, you'll know if the sport is for you by the time you get on stage, hmm. because, um, as soon as I stepped on stage, I like got really excited, kind of hyped up. Like I had no fear at all. I wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I'm standing in front of all these people. I was just, man, I put so much work into this mm -hmm. and I'm going to show what I did and I'm proud of what I did. And it really, there's honestly no other feeling I've ever felt than being on stage after preparing for weeks and months and years. Right. Um, it's almost a very emotional experience. Mm -hmm. It becomes more emotional every time I do it because I've invested that many more years every time I step on sure. stage. You put so much into it yeah. and you're finally there. Mm -hmm. For sure. So Brittany, for you, did what, did you have a show that you, I mean, were you involved in these shows? <clears throat> 
So um, I would say about four years ago, I tried my very, very first prep. Um, and, and what I, does that mean? So, there, prep. so a prep is, <laughs> okay. uh, it's a very, it seems like forever, but it's about anywhere between 12 to 20, 20. weeks could of, be longer. and it could be longer. Mine was longer. It's basically a, a fat burning phase. Right. It's like okay. where you, where you go very low body fat percentage. So every week or every few weeks you get less and less food, more and more cardio, and then it will eventually kind of even out and you get harder, lean. Um, and, uh, just that's where like the ripped look comes from is okay. during that prep phase. And that's what gets you ready for a show. Okay. Um, so I attempted my very, very first one. Um, I was very much a newbie. Um, I was younger. I was in my early twenties. Um, I'm 32 now. So this was a long time ago. And this is before you all met. This is so, way before okay. we met. Okay. Yeah. Um, I wound up just because I was doing so much between work and stress and, and, and a lot of that has to go hand in hand with bodybuilding too, mm -hmm. because your body is under a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was mentally and emotionally under a lot of stress at the time as well. I wound up getting uh, very, very sick and I wound up in the hospital for four days. So I had to call it quits. And at that moment, now I took a step what back. What was that from? Low, bro low blood so pressure. So I, I never knew that I suffered from um, low blood pressure. I knew I had reactive low blood sugar, but I also found out at the same time that I have a mitral valve prolapse. So it was like so a- So low carbs and prep and she's already- hypoglycemic hypoglycemic uh -huh. right that means her blood sugar can tank really easily right and then she can go hypo and like pass out right so that's so. actually exactly what happened i uh i was working two jobs at the time up in new jersey i had just gotten home from my first job and i was taking a nap to go to my second job which was a um a, like a second shift mm -hmm. And, uh, I had taken like an hour and a half nap. I woke up and I knew I had to just rinse off and get changed and go. Well, I turned the shower on and I am a, a hot shower taker. So oh, me too. <laughs> yeah, like Scalding. burning, burning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I had it on like the hottest setting. I get into the shower and next thing I know, I woke up 45 wow. minutes later, uh, outside of the bathtub and I, um, did not know what happened. Um, I remember waking up with water everywhere and I lived alone at the time. Um, and I called my best friend who lived maybe three minutes up the road and she ran me to the hospital and I had a, um, contusion from like my lower left glute all the way up to the middle of my spine. And then they kept me there for four days because my blood pressure wasn't going above like 70 mm -hmm. or something like the higher Gosh. numbers it normal blood pressure is 120 over 70 right. mine was like i think 60 over 90 Goodness at that gracious. time um and so at that point i took a step back and took some time off from the gym and then restarted all over again and i was okay uh but this time around um i had gone through a lot of um functional health and holistic health treatment with this guy that uh, he knew his name was matt he was an awesome coach got me really, really healthy, had like a few years of hormonal things to fix and some gut things to fix. And I was great. And Helped I was like those issues of hypo. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Was there certain like, th like what were the things that you had to do to, to help you well, not experience really, that again? It's really all nutrition based. Okay. So it's like, you have to eat certain slower digesting carbs around certain things. Um, so 
if you have a lot of activity planned, you want to have slower digesting carbs. So it kind of keeps you fuller longer. Um, so I learned that about my body, but so this prep around, um, I had a brand new coach and I had a brand new mindset and I was like very confident in myself for the first time ever. And I was like, I'm going to do it. So it was a 24 week prep. Is that normal? No. Okay. Sometimes <laughs> it, it was d- brutal. I'm, I, just real quick. I've had a 26 week prep yeah, before. Yeah. It depends on like you pick a show date. Sometimes the show date gets pushed back. Problem was her show date got pushed back a few times. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's why that ended up so long. So this, it was 2022 to 2023. I started Thanksgiving was like, November. yeah. Thanksgiving was like my last glorified meal. It was amazing. Oh, (laughs) Uh, And then I prepped all the way until May. Yeah. So like, just to give an idea when you prep for a show, it's like just, just on the surface is extremely low calorie. You're always hungry and you don't get to eat off plan unless your coach says so, which both of our coaches never allow cheat meals or meals out or anything for the duration of that prep. And it's everything is measured. Your water is measured. Your salt is measured. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your condiments are measured. Your salts measured. Yep. And I, my coach was, uh, and he is a, he's a brilliant coach and I have, I have nothing bad to say about him. He's, he's wonderful. And what's his name? Uh, His name was Cameron. Uh, He is Cameron Cheek. Cheek. Yeah. He's a very up and coming young coach, but he has a lot of pro athletes and he's, he's just a brain. He's very, very smart. Um, but he was super strict to the point where I couldn't even have hot sauce. Um, I couldn't have mustard. I couldn't have hot sauce. So I was sprinkling limes all over my food. (laughs) She, she had a lot of potential. So he saw pro potential in her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She wanted to just step on stage for the first time and test it out. Like I did my first show Mm -hmm. right? and everybody deserves that. But she truly has like the genetics to be able to, to go pro in a female division and he was trying to push her towards that and it just burnt, it just burned her out. Yeah. I just, I got to the point, uh, we were actually coming to church. It was a Sunday and I had to go do uh fasted cardio in the morning. Fasted cardio means a cardio session when you're, uh, have no food in you. So you literally wake up from sleep and, and you go right to cardio. Okay. Uh, no water, no well, yeah, water. I, I don't think I was water. drinking water at the you time. I probably should have. <laughs> I would have maybe <laughs> I felt a little bit to. better. You're supposed to drink but water, like, but like you know, else. a lot of athletes will drink like BCAAs. I'm, sh- I'm you've probably heard of that, or like essential amino acids. Yes. Okay. So a lot of athletes but will no drink food. that, but like no food. I, I couldn't even have EAAs or BCAAs. So um, our apartment has a wonderful two-story gym. It's awesome, uh, and I was on my way up to our gym. And I looked at myself in the reflection of the door and I said, what am I doing? (laughs) I can't even, I can't even tie my shoes. Like I felt so so weak and so tired. And my hypoglycemia was the worst it's ever been. I was like dropping into the fifties every couple of hours. So by that she means her blood glucose level. Yeah. So if you where's that supposed to be, it's like 90 to a hundred on a good day. Like 75 is a good 75 to a hundred. I guess. Okay. Over a hundred. You're like pre-diabetic. Okay. So your blood glucose levels, you want them to be moderate, but you don't want them to be high because then 
you're you're creeping into that. But then if you're if you're, if you're low. really low, your insulin is overreactive, and it means your body is utilizing those carbs too quickly. Then you go hypoglycemic. You start getting shake. You know that shaky yes, feeling you get yes. when you're really hungry. Mm-hmm. Your blood sugar is dropping, and so hers was dropping extremely fast, like between multiple meals a day and you know you start get feeling fainty you start sweating like and it was just this issue she's had for a long time mm-hmm. reactive hypoglycemia that's just genetic mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about that and um there are things you can do to help it but yeah she was in a place where it was like hard to even manage right because that was with food in me it was like yeah. it as soon as i got home from training i would eat a meal and within 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Cause I would be outside. We have a a very, very large dog Uh (laughs) and I'm actually grateful for him during this time because there were, I can count on my fingers and toes, the amounts of times where I'm happy that he would drag me because there was so many times I would be outside just walking him and my blood sugar would drop and I couldn't even make it. Yeah, Yeah. I couldn't even make it to our front door and I would literally just let him pull me because if it wasn't for him pulling me, I wasn't making it up the stairs. <laughs> so did you ever make it to the show? I did not. I actually, okay. I, yeah, that, that Sunday, was talking about, that day yeah, that, that I was, was talking about, stopped. I'm sorry, I, I ramble a little bit, but no, I'll get back great. to that. So uh, that morning I, I looked at myself in the mirror and I just felt, I felt, I felt God in the very beginning. I didn't feel him in the middle. And I think it's because I was so focused mm-hmm. on selfish things and getting my routine done. Uh, And I feel really guilty about that. But he came right at the nick of time. And I saw myself in the reflection of the door. And I actually had a little weird thing happen to me. I can go into that if you want to. But sure. um, Well, it's it's a little sad, but it's okay. um, When I was walking to the gym and in my own head, I use this as as like and I don't believe in signs or or symbolism, but I I believed that this was a message for me Uh in my head. a bird had just flew into the door and broke its neck. Right. So I'm a humongous animal advocate, humongous animal lover. So I get to the gym and I'm just, I'm as exhausted and tired and feeling the pain like this bird is. That's what I felt like. And I went and I lifted it up with a sign and I turned it over onto its belly. So it wasn't, you know, seizuring on its back like it was. And I put it over into the mulch and I just said, I feel like I'm this bird right now. Like I can barely move. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm in pain. My shins were just like tight and they hurt so bad to even walk from all the cardio. cardio. And I knew that going upstairs, I had to do 30 minutes of the elliptical. And I was like, I, I could barely do this right now, but I went upstairs. I think I got half of it done. And in that, that 15 minutes, I said, I'm done. I'm done. I, I am physically done. Well, I prayed about it and I walked outside and the bird was gone. And to me, that was absolutely incredible because I know how hard it is for a bird to break its neck and walk away. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I felt like in that moment, God was telling me, I have you like, it is your time to take a step back. Like hear, hear me. I need you to put your health first and you, you need to just, you need to stop. So I went upstairs we missed church because I sat there crying for three hours in Jordan's arms. And I was like, I'm so sorry that I wasted this whole year because it was, it was, it was that entire year up to May, up to May. But like from the holidays until, until May, it was that, I guess six or seven months, but yeah, I guess it wasn't a year. Um, but I apologized to him. I was like, cause I was not myself. Mm-hmm. I was just 
very hard to deal with as hungry people are. Right. Prep isn't for every bodybuilding preps aren't for everyone. Yeah. Um, but at that moment I just said, I'm sorry, I'm done. Um, and it's been wonderful ever since. I think I went and grabbed a protein cookie and I ate <laughs> that was everything your first choice. in the refrigerator <laughs> the rest of the day. The <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. So you never actually made it to I did a not. show then. I was 14 days away from it and I did not make days. it. You know what? I th- you know, obviously you made the right decision for yourself. I know and, I did. I mean, do you have any sort of regrets of that? Does it creep up at all? Or are you just I like, you know what? I made it. I have thought about it once. Awesome. Um, the, the hard thing was I, I, there's a wonderful lady here in Hendersonville who made my suit for me and oh, you my make, competition oh, suit. Oh, you get those made for you. Yeah. Okay. A lot of them are custom made. It's a lot. It's oh. all custom made, um, to whatever color and design that you want, uh, the fit that you want. Um, and she beautifully made mine by hand and, um, I knew I was done because when I went and picked it up for the last time, I never even looked at it. I still, to this day, it's in the bag and I've never looked at it. Hmm. Um, yeah, we were talking that morning she was like, I was like, look, we can even, cause she was in great shape. I mean, f- so it's really, it's hard for, for males to get in shape, but females have other hormones and higher body fat set point than males do just in general. Mm-hmm. So it's just a hundred percent is harder for women. I give them credit to get in that kind of stage conditioning, that low body fat. It really is. So she was in crazy shape. And I even told her, I was like, look, we can even take the next two weeks easy. And you don't even have, like we can kind of half diet. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you don't have to be intense and I'll coach you through these next two weeks and we'll just cruise into the show, and I guarantee you'll still win the show. I mean, I was that confident, and I have a good eye for these things. But she was like, I can't even imagine being happy or smiling on stage at this point. I'm like, well, there's your answer. Yeah, like, because you, my you know coach at the time, I because I, I cried out to him, and I told him, I was like, Cameron, I'm sorry to quit on you, but I just can't do this anymore. I was like, but because we're so close to the first show, and I did all of this work, I was like, at least I'll go and do the regional show just to at least step on stage. And he said, no, you're not ready. Hmm. And I was like, I disagree. I completely <laughs> did. I mean, I had nothing left, nothing left on my body to that shed. I still think done. it yeah. was just, he just wanted her to go pro. Yeah. He's, the plan was still to do junior nationals what three weeks after that show right so i still so that had show would six have weeks of shows to so do. you were skipping kind of the that first level i i had to go do the first level first the regional show okay. would have qualified her for junior nationals, nationals okay but it was like what he was mostly focused on was junior nationals right which was he knew still he could have gotten away. a pro card out of uh. her which like you know i'm a coach too i coach bodybuilders i coach general fitness people like, of course, I would love to have one of my clients go pro. Like, that's what better thing for a coach. Like, a dream. Yeah. 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 So it's like, I mean, he has a lot of clients that go pro. So he's kind of one of these coaches that have become like a pro maker coach. Right. So he just, you know, it's another pro card on his belt. And I don't blame him for that at all. No. And she had the potential, but it's like he can't want it and her not want it. And it happened. Yeah. You have to, you have to, yeah. It takes a, that level of like, not that she wasn't dedicated at all. It's, it's, she was extremely dedicated. It was just that that wasn't her dream. So that if that dream wasn't driving everything right. and she just wanted to experience it for once, then it's not, it's too hard to right. get to that level. My, my dream was not to go pro. 
I, I, if I did awesome, it would have been so cool. But my dream was just to showcase and experience something for the first time because I worked so hard for 10 years. Plus we already live the lifestyle because I do this. Exactly. So I was like, let me kind of see what the lens looks like through Jordan's eyes and let me try this. Um, and I give that's at this prep around for him was a completely different outlook for me. Cause I was like, I know how you're feeling. Right. I, I think that <laughs> I see how you're feeling. That's got to help. <laughs> it's I mean, been extremely yeah. beneficial. Yeah. yeah. Cause it, cause now she, she gets it and yes. she knows what you're going through. She knows yeah. how you're feeling. Yeah. Um, and so, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not one of these hangry people. It's just no. sometimes I'm a space cadet. Like I tap out cause I'm so hungry. Like I, just mentally not there mm-hmm. so she can understand it easier. I'm not yeah. too hard to deal with, but no, 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 not at well, all. That's good. Cause I think I'm probably the hangry person. So <laughs> there's a lot of people. That are that way. So tell me more about this prep stage. Okay. Is that the, what's the first stage when you've got a show and how far away is the show typically before you start the first phase? So pretty much, so we basically will call it, we call it off season and prep. Okay. However, some people actually take off season, like what it sounds like. Whereas for me, off season, <laughs> kind they of, or eat, they slack, you know, they'll eat, a lot they eat or, off okay. diet a lot. So like, I tend to call it what a lot of other people that agree with me call it as improvement season. So there's a off season is where you're adding as much muscle tissue as possible. So when you're in a diet phase, we call it diet phase, meaning you're in a calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. That's during a show prep because you can't lose body fat unless you're eating under your calorie expenditure. Mm-hmm. So basically during a prep, what we're doing is ramping up output by doing a lot of cardio. We're still training every you know five days a week, whatever, and calories are going lower and lower, mainly by pulling back carbs and fats from our diet. Is it a gradual? Usually like gradual. The first week is, and it's so dependent person to person. Some people okay. can like, like this past prep, I ate way more food than I ever thought I would be able to, to get that kind of level of body fat, mm-hmm. which the more muscle you add, the easier it is to burn body fat. But um, yeah, so in general, I mean, some people have to go to like zero carbs towards the end. They're literally eating trace carbs from vegetables and everything else is just protein and maybe a little bit of fats in their diet. Like it's very, very restrictive. Um, but basically in a prep, you're just trying to get as low body fat as humanly possible while not expending any or much muscle at all. You want to retain as much muscle as you possibly can. Cause that can technically eat away muscle, exactly. right? Yeah. Okay. So you go into much of a calorie deficit, start eating away muscle tissue because your body needs something for energy. So, and in, in the opposite end is off season improvement season, where you're trying to limit fat gain as much as possible while adding as much muscle as possible. So you'll see some people in their off season, like I've had off seasons where I get pretty fluffy. Like I, I've gained a decent bit of body fat for my standards. Um, but gained a ton of muscle because you have to eat in a caloric surplus. So you have to eat way more than you're burning calorie wise. So it's, it's one opposite end of the spectrum wow. to the total other end. You're either, 
I literally half of my year I spend dreading food and I'm eating so much sometimes that I'm literally sick. Oh. And the other half of the year I'm starving. <laughs> You're wanting food. So it's like oh, it's really it's really pretty extreme differences. There needs to be a, a, a little section where there you is can a just short, short section. Very <laughs> short. Yeah, I'm kind of in that right section. now. Yeah. Okay. So in this improvement stage, we'll call it, is it an mm-hmm. off season? It. What kind of foods are you eating? Is it literally anything? I mean, from McDonald's to you know something <laughs> no. healthier, or he do wishes. you try? Is there certain? <laughs> so that's he so wishes. in in the you know general gym scene. There's a lot of especially younger kids. And what I did when I started out was what we call dirty bulking. Okay. And it's like what you it's the seafood diet, and you literally are just eating everything <laughs> it, possible. Exactly. So. There are people that do that at my level. No one does that, but some people are more lax on their diet than others. For me, I eat the same exact foods for the most part, 365 days a year. Um, and I do one cheat meal per week during my off season. But and the what rest is that of the time, cheat meal? What is Jordan's depends cheat on, meal? I mean, nowadays it looks a little bit different because I try I'm to eat restrictive. a little. Okay. See, well, it just depends. I mean, you know. It, it really depends on what kind of phase we're in or what I can have. But I go for like sushi or mm. burger and fries or steak and potato. I try actually not to have my off plan meal be like super dirty, but occasionally I'll okay. have like, I love pizza, but I have pizza we'll probably do it like three once, times a year. Yeah, once or three <laughs> times a year, max. Goodness right? gracious, so, you're missing out on so I much. I know, I know. And it, <laughs> Like earlier on, it felt like that. And I was like, gosh, I just want food and I miss food. But nowadays, like I just enjoy the process so much Mm -hmm. more. And it definitely has taught me so much about discipline and about life because so, you know, the types of foods we eat, every meal is pretty even across the board as far as protein. We're getting that from I I eat eggs, egg whites, uh, beef like lean, lean red meat. I'll eat chicken a lot. Um, and basically and whey protein powder, um, some protein shakes, one or two shakes a day, but I basically eat the same six meals every single day. I have my same meal. One is the same for a long time. Just the amounts change, um, for carbs, we'll do like rice, cream of rice, um, you know, in the off season, that's where you can add stuff like English muffins into the diet or maybe a little bit of like cereal here and there around your workouts where it gets burned off easy. But, you know, pretty much all those things I eat in the off season, I still eat chicken and rice. I still eat steak and rice or, you know, for breakfast, I still eat cream of rice and eggs and egg whites all the way through the whole year. It's just as I go into a prep, generally the rice amounts come down the carb sources come down, the protein stays about the same. Okay. And so it, it it's variable depending on how my body's looking, my weight on the scale, how I'm performing in the gym, how fast I'm gaining weight or how fast I'm losing weight or vice versa, mm-hmm. depending on the phase. So it's okay. very, it, it there's a ton of variables that go into it, but for the most part, it's discipline literally every day of the year and consistency to the extent that, yeah. Like, I mean, I'll have like a meal or two on like Christmas day or Thanksgiving, 
but like I'll still have three or four of my clean meals on those days even. So, I mean, it's not like there's no day off at all. Um, there's just some meals off through the year. I see, I see. But if I'm in a diet phase for a prep for a show, I'll go that 20 weeks or whatever without a meal out. Every meal goes on the scale. I weigh every meal to the gram. I weigh every fat source, carb source, protein source to the gram, a quarter teaspoon of salt on every single meal. It's. Do you have this written out? I mean, is this yeah. from a coach or is this, you, yeah. you just learned so much that you know. Okay, I, I do is, have a coach. Okay. So most pros, if not almost every pro, every, pro. every competitive bodybuilder <laughs> for the most part has a coach, even if they're super knowledgeable. And the reason being is because we're so critical of ourselves mm. If I were to make the calls on what my I need to do for my body, one day I may look in the mirror and be like, oh, man, I'm, I'm gaining a little bit too much body fat. I'm going to pull my food back. Or the next day I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm not gaining enough muscle right now or I feel a little my muscle looks a little flat. I need more food. And you make emotional decisions, whereas mm-hmm. a coach can look at you and I check in with him twice a week. And he'll look at me and say, okay, this is what we need to do, or we're good here. It takes the emotions out of the decision, Mm -hmm. which is what I do for my clients is they check in with me once or twice a week. And I can make the calls on their diet, on their training, on all those kind of things. And at this stage in the game, like I make decisions with my coach because we're both, I've learned so much from him and I've done this for so long. Um, But yeah, it's it's an interesting sport because almost everyone has a coach, even at like the highest level. And you and Chris have been together for what, for five years, years four, four or five years. years. What, what's four your coach's years. name? Chris, Chris, Chris Tuttle. So, Chris Tuttle. and he lives in Fort Worth, Texas, where we're moving. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like 10 minutes away mm-hmm. from us. So yeah, he's amazing. He's a registered dietitian. He's taught me so much about mostly about nutrition that I just, and training that I just never knew about four years ago. So it's been a learning process with him. Just out of curiosity, because this is, I mean, you all are muscular people <laughs> and calories in terms of during the improvement season, mm-hmm. how many calories is that? Let's just say, <laughs> yeah, how funny. much do you oh, consume per day? This is funny so for him. I've gotten okay. up to like the highest daily calories I've eaten is probably like 6,500. Okay. And right now I'm at like 5,800 and I'm like hungry between every meal. So like to give you a perspective, it's almost 6,000 calories of clean food a day, which is a lot of volume. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can eat like junk food and get a lot of calories calories and a little bit of food. But when you're eating like clean calories, it's hard to fit in a lot. Um, But every year my appetite seems to increase as I grow. But sure. Um, I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it gets up to, I would imagine the the max I'll probably do this year may be 7,000, but I doubt I'll have to get that high. And right. what is the lowest amount? Oh, man. I mean, it, so luckily I'm not, luckily these days I've become so consistent all year. Mm-hmm. Like I pretty much do cardio five days a week throughout the entire year. A lot of people during the off season, they slack on cardio and stuff. My consistency has kind of allowed me to diet a little bit higher calorie than most people during my, my show prep. Like this last one, to be honest with you was I was my lowest calorie days. 
I was eating like four, 350 to 400 grams of carbs alone. Plus right, like all we, the other food. We use a food scale and measure all of our carbs, fats, and proteins. So like okay. we know what 600 grams of carbs looks like as opposed to 200 grams of carbs. So, or rice or things like that. So the food scale is very helpful with that because you either go up or you go down. Yeah. Everything's measured. Everything's so, measured. I mean, but, but it, it can become more extreme depending and every, every bodybuilding prep is different. It just depends on how your body's responding. But I had a horrible um, experience back in 2018. I did a show prep and I was doing like 1600 calories and an oh hour and a half of Stairmaster cardio per day, five days a week of training, no, six days a week of training, one day off a week. And I had, I mean, I didn't know as much back then. And honestly, I was with a coach that just didn't know as much. Mm-hmm. I, I respect him. He's not even involved in bodybuilding anymore, but um, just, I am always that mindset of, I'm never going to stop doing what I'm doing no matter what. Mm-hmm. I lost, so I, that was an example where I did eat away a good bit of muscle. Oh, which I lost is, is 60 opposite pounds. opposite of what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 60 pounds? 60 pounds in 16 weeks. Oh my gosh. So I went from 255 to 195 and I was really, really shredded on stage. So like for, for the, for the guys, like the things you look for is like, you know, super tight midsection. The skin should be like shrink wrapped to the muscle, basically okay. like no body fat anywhere, even in the glutes, like to the point you can see like striations from the muscle in the glutes, which is obviously a place we hold a lot of body fat generally as humans. Mm -hmm. It's more healthy that way. (laughs) So, but I got to that extent, I got extremely lean, but at the expense of like, she was talking about fatigue in her prep. One of the things you want to do when you're prepping for a show is kind of to manage your fatigue levels. And I was like, bottoming out for probably two months towards the end. And this was my third show in 2018. Um, and it was extreme. I mean, it was like a lot of zero carb days, really low fats. I was basically just eating a protein and veggie diet. I was starving. Sure. Um, couldn't sleep cause I was hungry, waking up with hunger pains, stomach growling, um, just like body shutting down. So there's definitely a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And the extreme dieting where you're fatigued all the time is the wrong is the way. wrong way. Yeah. And how is it different for females in terms of, of calorie <clears throat> intake? Is it, is it less? For sure. Or, okay. Well, uh, I, I'm assuming it would be. Generally. Yeah, generally it was, it was actually really crazy. This prep for me, he fed me. So in my off season, my improvement season, which is what we started with, I was eating about four, 4,500 calories, maybe 4,000, which is a lot for, yeah, in my off season, which was a, is a lot for women. Mm -hmm. Um, but what is average? I mean, I don't even know. You know, they they say it's like 2000, they say about 2000 give or take. Now everybody's body is so different. Um, and to translate that to like ultra runners, if they ate 2000 calories, they would not be able to no. last like right. generally right. depends on the body weight. But like, you know, runners eating for performance, like you have to eat in order yeah, to be right. able to run for that extended period. <laughs> yes. So generally 2000 for any athlete is low. Right. So we'll, we'll just say 2000 across the board. So we we worked up to about 4500 calories in my off season. Didn't feel like a lot of food to me. 
Um, I tend to have a faster metabolism, which I did not know I had. I always mm-hmm. looked at myself as a slow metabolism, slow fat burner person, but I was so wrong. Um, but in my prep, we went down to maybe 16 or 1500 at the lowest, Mm -hmm. but my off days or my, not my off days, I'm sorry. So basically days to manage what I was talking about, managing fatigue Uh when you're in a diet phase like that, and your body's like bottomed out trying to burn and body starving. fat yeah. to when you refeed, which is like basically the same foods, just higher amounts of foods for a day or two. It helps to bring your fatigue levels back down, rest your body a little bit, revamp everything to where your body doesn't adapt too much to the lower calories because your body's going to notice, okay, we're running on fumes. I've got to take my output way down Mm -hmm. and your body's going to try to adapt to that. So basically what she was doing and what I'll do too. And she's talking about her refeed days. That's where you eat more food for a day or two in order to manage the fatigue and bring fatigue down. So that's, yeah, she would eat a lot. Like I think it was 6,000 calories. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was almost, it was too extreme. It was a little I mean, too extreme. Going yeah. from fifteen hundred to six thousand. Yeah, and uh, it was it was amazing the first couple of times. But she then, was enjoying those days. yeah, I was enjoying <laughs> okay, it at first. Yeah, those yeah. yeah, I never wanted those to end at first, but toward the end, it was hurting me because I think that that's where my um, insulin was mm. like literally so going in waves. Mm-hmm. To where after prep ended for me, I wound up becoming uh, very insulin resistant. Which means what we were talking about, the blood glucose levels, right. hers were over 100. So Fast, mine went from blue, uh, really low, low to fasted high. high. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was to the point where I would eat carbs and I would sweat and almost feel like nauseated yeah. because I, my, my blood the sugar was so high. My carbs, body wasn't so right, right. So my body was going like this with the cars, but it wasn't bringing it back down. It was just staying up here. So, um, that's why I, I felt like it was such the right thing to do because my body mm-hmm. was like, what are you what doing? Are you, what are you doing to me? <laughs> doing to me? Yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah, so I got up to about, uh, 45, in the off season and then about 16 or 15 at my lowest hundred calories. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> not and then, 15. <laughs> yeah. No, gosh, I knew you, I knew you meant that'd be a sip of water. <laughs> yes, and, yeah. exactly. Um, but, uh, then yeah. So my refeed days, which were once, sometimes twice a week, that was about 6,000 calories. Okay. So it's pretty different for women. I would say, I mean, I know some women who eat, they go crazy. They go nuts. I mean, the Miss Olympia this year, Natalia is her name. She's incredible absolutely incredible i think her baseline is like five or six thousand oh, yeah. calories well she, her baseline and again yeah. it's just the more muscle you have the more you can eat so right. every prep i've done because in between preps i've grown and added muscle so it's been if different. you don't you're kind of it's bodybuilding so right. your body should be getting bigger you should be growing and gaining muscle between shows so every show prep i end up eating more than the last one generally mm-hmm. so when when you said a long time ago about mm-hmm. how your body and also your body, Brittany, um, pe- people could see the potential in you right. or you you were able to build muscle quickly. 
Is that is that what they're looking for? It's a very very genetic sport. It is. The okay. people at the top have like the top 1% of genetics mm-hmm. in the world. So like you know, everybody's made differently. Everybody's made for different things. So some people are made to be a freak athlete and run really long distances, sprint really fast, jump mm-hmm. really high, but you know, it's the same with building muscle. You have some people that go to the gym and they can do everything right and they train correctly and they eat correctly and they just still can't can't add the kind of muscle that other people can. Mm -hmm. Or you have some people that can build tons of muscle. I know these guys, they're pros, and they have the hardest time burning body fat. Hmm. They can slap on muscle like just looking at a weight. (laughs) But then if they go to try to diet, they can't get down and get ready for a show. So you want a good balance of genetics. It's crazy. It's very much a genetic sport. I'd say I have a really good balance between mm-hmm. like I can get in shape for a show and get super low body fat without, you know, digging myself into a huge hole. Right. If I do it the right way. And I don't maybe don't gain muscle as fast as some of these other guys, but it's a pre- I have a pretty good genetics for that, too. So it's um to be at the top level. To be pro in general, you have to have pretty dang good genetics. To be like a competitive pro, you have to have really good genetics. Mm -hmm. So what does your day in the gym look like? Like you said cardio. So what kind of cardio are you doing? It's generally low intensity. Sometimes people will add in like um, some high intensity, intensity intervals or something. But in general, we do either fasted cardio first thing in the morning away from our weight training session. Mm Or we'll do it post-workout after we train. Um, that way we can utilize the food we've eaten on our training, okay. do it, lifting weights. And then generally we'll do, like I said, either faster or post-workout. We'll, like I'll do elliptical or like inco- incline treadmill walk at a decent pace or the bike or something like that. Where you're getting your heart rate like 125 to 140, nothing crazy. Just steady fat-burning state for 20, 30 minutes, okay. generally, sometimes longer. I don't like for any of my clients to do longer than 40 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Okay. If if it gets over 40 minutes, I'll split it up into a couple of sessions. Because that's too much right. cardio. And what like, about the weightlifting part of it? Is yeah, it different every day? Or, it is. You know, is it arm day, leg day? Exactly. Okay. So there's right. like... See, I kind of sound diff- like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah, and generally that's... You know, um, they call it the bro split, (laughs) where the bro split, where it's like you have a different muscle group for every day, arm day, leg day, shoulder day, chest day, back day. It's like the typical what they call the bro split. So then, you know, you can get more complicated. Like right now I have a what's today? Today's legs. But then my next training day will be chest and delts. Then the next training day will be back only and then arms the next day and then the next day I'll do uh, shoulders and back. So it's based on my weak points mm-hmm. in my physique where I want to train back more often, more frequently because your body basically, I call it a recovery budget. So every week you kind of have a recovery budget. You can't spend too much on one thing if you need another part body part to come up and improve. So you have to kind of spend your recovery budget wisely as if you've got a wallet of recovery. And um, so you plan out your workouts 
and your basically your workout split based on what you need to improve, what needs to grow, and uh, everybody's is different. So it depends on where they're. Because I'm, I'm assuming that people build muscle faster in certain areas, exactly. so then they're having to focus more on yeah. something else, right? So yeah, like w- I've what's always. Your, what's your weak area? My weak area is generally like my arms and my back. But okay. I mean, the feedback I get from judges and people in the sport say I'm pretty balanced, which means if you're a balanced bodybuilder, you don't really have like any glaring weak points. Mm. You're pretty even. So for the most part, by judges, I've been told they're like just keep doing what you're doing and keep growing at a steady rate. There's nothing that's out of balance. Okay. And what about you, Brittany? Um, Whenever you <laughs> were doing so, it, I mean, yeah. was there, was there you a didn't really have your back and your back was just very like prominent, but, but I mean, honestly, you're pretty balanced too. Yeah. I mean, genetic wise, I'm like the type of person, like he was talking like about hamstrings and glutes. Yeah. I think it was hamstrings and glutes work. that needed to come up a bit for me. Um, but genetic wise for me, like he was kind of saying before, I have the body type where I can go and look at a weight and gain muscle. She's very, I'm reactive very, to very I'm reactive like to weight, um, where like I could only use five pound dumbbells and 10 pound dumbbells and still make my arms grow. Um, wow. my dad and my brother have always been into weightlifting and, and like, uh, athleticism and they were always very big and they could always put on weight, not at this point of my dad's life or my brother. But, um, so I think it's just family genetics. Like my grandfather was this big six foot one oh. German man with massive baseball mitts for hands. And I think it just runs in our family Again, genetics. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. exactly. Genetics. But I also, um, I guess right now, like I don't have any weak points because I'm not focused on those right. things anymore. But in, in terms of bodybuilding, but in terms of bodybuilding, everything was pretty balanced for me. It was, um, I think just like you said, my hamstrings and my glutes were yeah. a little bit behind on everything else. So we okay. structured her program around that. Right. So she would have a hamstring and glute day, a separate day for quads, right. a separate day for back. Then she would have, you wouldn't have, she didn't have an arm day. Cause her arms just grew like crazy. So <laughs> we would throw in a couple sets of biceps and triceps with different body parts at the end of those sessions. Hmm. That way they were kind of more of an afterthought when she'd already expended her energy yeah, on other things. Movements. That way what needed the focus got the focus first. So that's kind of how, that's how I do all my clients plans. It's all, what do you need to focus on first and foremost? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of how you break up a, a workout split. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I'm learning. I'm, lear- I'm learning yeah. so much about this. There's a lot. <laughs> there is. Well, and I knew there was, and I don't know that people realize how much goes into this. Yeah. And it's not just going to the gym and starting to lift weights. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so much more it's than very that. Complex. Yeah. It is I'm, very complex. And as a as a pro now, mm-hmm. this is your job, right. right? So how much how many hours a day are you spending at the gym? And see, that's the thing that surprises people. Okay. So I always say this, it's not really as it is the time spent in the gym, but so much of what we do is the time spent outside of the gym, Hmm. the other 22 hours of the day. So I'll probably spend, because at this stage in the game, I have a lot of mobility stuff I have to do. The bigger you get, the tighter things get, the more risk of injury you become. Hmm. Um, So I may 
you know, I'll go to the gym, I'll do some mobility stuff, then I'll start my workout and then I'll do my cardio. By the time I'm out of there, probably two hours. Yeah, you would think it would be Max two and a half mm-hmm. hours. Ab- absolute max. If I'm in there two and a half hours, I'm frustrated. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I want to get out and get done with the rest of my day. I love being at the gym, but I'm very busy. So, um, and that's only five days a week. Okay. You know, people think we do it every single day. Right. I tell everybody this, you grow when you're outside of the gym. Mm-hmm. In the gym, you're breaking down muscle tissue. You're stimulating the muscle. You grow when you sleep, you're growing when you're eating, when you're resting. So rest is extremely important. I get a lot of clients that'll be like, I just want to train every day. I'm like, well, you're never going to grow. You're Hmm. just going to, you're just going to stay really stagnant that way. You have to stimulate the muscle in a very intense way and then get out of there and recover. Rest. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I know another part of this that we haven't talked about is posing yeah oh, right goodness. she hated that she <laughs> hated it. oh you hated the posing oh, i don't man. care for it sometimes so so tell me about that it's like very complicated it is hard and it hurts and, and <laughs> why is that because you're you're holding something for a certain amount of you time flex like every muscle you have possible. to like have this muscle to mind connection with every fiber in your body yeah. all at once So there's like different mandatory poses for different classes. So for bodybuilding, there's nine, I believe. I may be, I can't believe I don't even know the number (laughs) when I'm saying this. So basically like they'll call front double bicep, front lat spread, side chest, side tricep, back double bicep, back lat spread, um, ab and thigh pose, and the most muscular pose. And then they even have these symmetry round poses where you basically face the front, face the side, face the curtain, face the side again. You go like quarter turns all the way around. And they're going to compare you guys in each individual pose. And they're looking top to bottom. They're looking from calves to hamstrings to glutes to lower back to upper back to arms when you're turned to the back. And then the front, they're looking at your midsection, your chest, your shoulders, your biceps, your quads, everything. And if one thing isn't posed, then they're going to see it. So that muscle's not going to be exactly seen. Okay. So, I mean, you, I always tell everybody start from the ground up. A lot of people have a hard time posing their legs. So like if you're in a front pose, you've got to get all your quad lines to come out and which you need to be lean to be able to see the quad separation and the lines, um, which you have to like with bent knees, kind of spread the floor with your feet is what a lot of people say is the cue. And then your quad lines start to come out and you got to hold that. Then you got to keep your midsection really controlled because if you are out of breath and you breathe out and you let your midsection go and you look like you're relaxed in your midsection, they'll dock you points for that. So the entire time you're on stage, you have to keep your midsection extremely controlled. And then let's say you're going up into a front double bicep pose Um, you've got to like flare your lats, keep your chest high, keep your thoracic spine extended, flex the biceps, hold your hands a certain way to where the bicep peaks a certain way. Like it's very, and that's just one pose. And then you've got to do all the other poses where you're posing everything that's showing to the judges basically. So So, it sounds like the minute you walk on the stage, you really can't relax. Yeah. So even because they're probably always watching you, you know, not just when you're posing, even when you're you're on the sidelines. It's funny you say that you're, that's something that you're right on the money with that because everybody that teaches posing is like, 
if you're on stage, even if you're like on the side, if you're not even in the, they call it call outs where they have maybe five or six guys lined up. Let's say you got 15 guys in the class. The other 10 guys are standing behind the line that's being judged, but you still have to basically stand there somewhat posed. You can't relax. Because people are looking. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll pose you for a long time. Yeah. So now with women, um, there's there's a lot of different categories now. Like back in the day, it was really like women's physique and women's bodybuilding were like the thing. And those are like the divisions that are more muscular. Right. And those are the – exactly. Okay. So now they have something called bikini, wellness, figure, women's physique. It's getting excessive. Women's bodybuilding. It's, it's pretty it's wild. But they're it's, very it's vastly different. It's all different body types. They're that very, they're very different. For. Okay. So it gives – it kind of – it's good because it gives everybody a chance to compete. So you don't have to be – just like extreme muscle bound to be able to compete. Right. There is a division thing. for you right. okay. in pretty much male and female. There's a division for everyone. Right. So for me, I originally went in wanting to do figure. So I am and what not. Does that mean? Figure is a balance. It's a, it's a pretty balanced physique. They're very so muscular. The whole, the whole body. It's the whole body. They're hard. They're lean. But um, they don't but get they, quite as low body fat as women's body. Right. They will not get striked. Big. They will get some points off if they are over striated like mm. overly, overly hard. Overly muscular. Overly yeah, yeah. Right. There's a balance so, in some divisions. Gosh. You can be too lean. Now, so for me, <laughs> when I first wanted to do a show, I was like, I love figure. It is very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like the women are balanced. They look very, very beautiful. They're but, not overly muscular. But I am a sneaker wearer. I am not a heel wearer. They wear heels on stage. Ooh, ooh. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, and you're trying ooh. to pose right. wearing heels. With right. Heels, yeah. And it's you're called, tired yeah. and you're fatigued and right. So I was like, okay, I'll have to practice wearing heels. But then the, shifted. everything shifted because I was actually, growing it doesn't time. happen very often, but I was growing into my prep. So I wound up putting almost seven or eight pounds of muscle on in my prep which is hmm. very hard to do, but my body grows. Like you say, you look at a, a weight and right. you gain muscle. Right, okay. my body grows. So he was. my coach was like, hey, throw a women's physique pose into your check-in and let's like take a look at it. Which and I was the like, difference is like, so the women's figure, they just do front, front pose, side pose, back pose. That's basically it. Women's physique, they're doing the bodybuilding poses like front double bicep where you're flexing okay. your biceps. Um, side chest, you're turned to the side, flexing like with your arm bent. Like it's hard to explain just audio wise, but, but there's much more posing involved in women's physique. So when I sent him that check-in, he was like, that's you, your women's physique. And I was like, well, okay, I don't have to wear wear heels. heels. (laughs) This is great. I don't have to wear heels. Well, he was like, okay, but you have to come up with a posing routine. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know which one is worse, wearing heels on stage or having to come up with a dancing routine, basically. It's, so it, you, it's not a, so. Not a dancing routine. <laughs> so basically, I mean, a you're posing but. to music. Oh, you are. This right. is the part I absolutely hate. Is it the same for, for males? Too? It is, but yeah. it's not judged at all. It's yeah, they don't even look it's at you. mostly for the crowd. So that's okay. why I, I'm extremely competitive. Mm-hmm. So to be honest, I mean, this is bad because like, let's say, let's say, you know, as a pro, one of the ways we get paid a lot of times is we do guest posings. So mm-hmm. a am- local amateur show may call me and say, Hey, we want to put you on our poster. We want to pay you to come out. And basically at intermission, you, you pose for the crowd 
because they have, oh, this pro bodybuilder is coming right. to the amateur show and it gets people to buy tickets and stuff like that. And they'll they'll pay you to come do a posing routine to whatever song you pick or whatever. It's It sounds really weird to someone who's not involved in bodybuilding. And honestly, I don't enjoy it that much. <laughs> I'm trying to get better at doing it because you have to basically, you're, you're, you're choreographing it. Yeah. You have to come to up music. with a routine. Yeah. And it's, you want it to flow well and you want it to be interesting, but I have a hard time putting time into it because it will never win me a show mm -mm. because mm -hmm. they don't even judge it. It's a crowd pleaser. It's just right. like a cool show off your stuff. Kind Is it of something thing. you can make up on the fly? I did backstage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I listened to my headphones backstage at my last pro yeah. show when I was practicing I mean, it. <laughs> I hired a, we actually have the same posing coach company. Okay, so there is a posing coach. There is. Okay. They're, they're very up and coming now because um, posing, general posing is very, very scored. Like they really do look at yeah, your general posing. when you're posing. standing next to someone, that's right. When, like uh, if your posing is really bad, they, they won't look at you as much as a person who's posing is really great. Right. So we both, uh, hired the same posing coach company. I had a woman named Christina. He had her husband, Joey. uh, Joey, Joey sorry. Um, and, um, I was just getting so frustrated. I was like, and it was through FaceTime, mind you, this wasn't person oh. to person. They live in Las Vegas. No people. And so just another side note, we're moving to Texas. So a lot of that has to do with going Where to a bodybuilding hub. Right, right. Nobody around here knows how to like, yeah. pose and give there's us, no I, such I'm like the posing coach here. around North Carolina. Gotcha. So yeah. there's, it, it had sense. to be virtual, which right. is even harder. She can't be hands on. Yeah. And I was like already so tired. My body was mm -hmm. so tired. I was like, Christina, I cannot connect with my body. And she was like, girl, you got this. Like, just keep going. And I was like, no, I'm done. Yeah, like, but, um, I, I really give so much credit because it is a beautiful piece of art sure. when you learn how to do it the right way. Because I mean, like, you know, Arnold, like you were saying, you saw Arnold, he's known for his posing. I mean, people yeah. copycat him for the last 30 years. Right. It is a beautiful art piece when you do it right. And when you practice, so it is important. He practices all the time, you know, I, but it's more, I practice Basically, I practice my mandatories, which is what I'm going to be judged with the, the next to everyone. Exactly. You can do all these fancy, intricate poses where you're, I, I don't even know, I like different poses that aren't judged. You can practice those. I have a hard time practicing those. I'm just very much that. about the competition and everything into that. Exactly. But, uh, I could be more creative, I guess. <laughs> so when you walk out on the stage, mm -hmm. are you with, are there Oh, this sounds weird. Like <laughs> think about weight classes, but is it, is everybody competing against everybody? So, so there's, there's divisions and there's weight classes in the amateur ranks. Okay. So as a pro though, as a pro, you're all competing against each it's other. It's called it's open. So I'll give you the divisions. So bodybuilding, open bodybuilding is like, you're the biggest and leanest. It's the hardest division to compete in. That's what I do. Okay. And that's the hardest for the men. They have one called cl classic physique and it's like kind of throwback to the guys back in the day that are more streamlined, smaller physiques, not quite as heavily muscled. Mm -hmm. Then you have men's physique. There's these guys in literally like swim trunk board shorts oh. <laughs> and they, they're only basically mostly judged on their upper bodies. Okay. So those are the three male divisions. Now in the pros, you have two bodybuilding divisions. There's open and then there's 212. 
the 212 pound class is generally like the really short guys. So it's like a guy that's five, two is not going to be able to compete against me because we have like an eight inch difference in height and he can't pack the muscle on that. I can, it's going to look smaller next to me. So they have a class for them. So, but open bodybuilding is the class. So like if you're Mr. Olympia, you you are the best in the world in open bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. So, however, prior to going pro, there's literally lightweights, middleweights, light heavyweights, heavyweights, super heavyweights. Um, at the national shows, they throw a couple lighter classes in there too, just to have a ton of weight classes. So there really are, there's a weight class for everybody in bodybuilding. I went pro as a heavyweight. Um, in 2021, I did the USA championships and, um, I won the open heavyweight class and then I, and that's what turned me pro. So if you win your class at a national show, you go pro. And then I ended up also winning the overall of that show. And that's how I won the Mr. USA title. Okay. I saw that you had that title. So that's how you win that. You actually win that title as an amateur. So like you go to that show to go pro. If you win your class, you go pro. And then they do an overall comparison with all the class winners. And I won among all the class winners and won the overall. So when you went into this competition for the, was it called Mr. Ma- USA? Yeah, Mr. USA. Okay, Mr. USA. Championships, yeah. And that was 21. 2021. Were you, I mean, obviously you're wanting that, but were you expecting this? This is a common question I get. So I've never been someone, I've had high expectations for myself, but I've always like, maybe I've undervalued myself a little bit. I don't know, but I literally going into that show, I was like, gosh, if I, could, it was my first national show ever. So I was like, if I could just get like a top five in my class, I'd be over the moon. (laughs) If I could just maybe make it in that first call out is what they call it. When you're like, of all the guys, there were like 25 guys in my class. You're like the top five to seven guys in the class. If you get that first call out, the first look with the judges, they'll call out certain numbers. And so not everybody gets to pose for the judges. They do in rounds. So in like, rounds, okay. so they'll look at everybody like kind of in a exactly. race. Okay. So basically how it runs is they'll, they'll pull out everybody out in groups of five, look at each group of five really quickly, pull them off the stage. Then you do an individual round in front of the judge, pull you off. Then they pull everybody back on. And then they call out the numbers that they saw were the best. And that's your first call out. Okay. Then once you guys are compared, they move you off. They call out the second call out. And that's like the second round of guys. You're looking at probably six through 12th or something like that. Then third call outs even further behind than that. And then fourth call outs even further behind. So like first call out, you're looking at a top placing. If you're looking in like the, they'll, they'll reorder you around on stage. Huh. If you're like in the middle, you're looking at like a first or second place, first to so third. So you kind of know at yeah. that point. They're, okay, they're judging well. you. If you're on the outside of the first call out, you're like Ugh. one of the last places of that first call out. So I got called in that first call out and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, freaking <laughs> out because I'd never been at this level. I've lived in North Carolina my whole life where bodybuilding isn't popular. I haven't right. been in person around these people very much. And Nobody I'm not, knew who he was. Yeah. I'm a no name in the industry. Like really not a, I didn't think I had a chance at going pro. I mean, I just why would you, like you said, this is yeah, not an area no for bodybuilding. What to, what to expect really. I've only competed in North Carolina. And so 
I was in the middle of the first call out with this other guy. He, he went pro the very, the following show. I beat him by one point. So, um, but me and Eric Wood is his name. We were like neck and neck. They had us posing for like 10 minutes straight. We're like sweating, breathing heavy, like trying to hold it together. Um, very intense, uh, because obviously you have to hold all those poses that entire time you're on stage. And then, um, they have, that's prejudging. So they basically go through, they judge you one time. Then you have finals, which is either hours later or this, in this case, it was the next evening was finals. I had to wait all the way till Saturday night for finals. Friday morning was, was that hard to do or is it easier when it's just two hours? I, it's the time went so slow. I was like, cause I'm thinking, okay, I could either go pro or get second is what mm. it looked like to mm-hmm. me. If you get second, you're a placement behind going ah, pro. Right. And so finals came and, uh, you know, we got our class got rejudged at finals Saturday night and I was pretty confident that I won. Like I could just tell, like, mm. I was like this, I think I've got this. And they called my name and I was just like absolutely ecstatic. I got my you know, heavyweight class win and then my pro card and everything. And then I'm freaking out, texting my coach backstage. I'm like, we did it. We did it. We did it. And he sends a text back. He's like, job's not done yet. Cause you got to go back out for finals or for the overall. Mm-hmm. So once all oh, the classes are judged. So, um, that's where the lightweight, the middleweight, the light heavyweight, me, the heavyweight mm-hmm. and the super heavyweight winner, all the weight class winners stand up and get judged. And then I won that. So then I got this humongous like yeah, what trophy do you get? that's like a trophy. What is it? Four like three, <laughs> like four feet three tall. Three or four feet tall, yeah. And um and just the Mr. USA title is a huge title. Mm-hmm. Like multiple Mr. Olympias have won Very that title in the title. past. Yeah. Anyone who's been in Mr. USA has been for the most part, most of them have been really top level pros that have gone on to do really big things in sports. So it's kind of big shoes to fill. Sure. So, oh my gosh, I bet you were. It was incredible. Stunned. Oh my gosh. And were, were you there? I mean, you I obviously yeah. were there. We were freak- I was, was screaming <laughs> and I fell on the floor. I was crying. Oh. Uh, and it was a, a, I was trying to do a live video on his Instagram and I, everyone's like, get back up, get back up. And I was like, I was I just losing my oh. mind. And his, his best friend from here uh, flew down with us because it was in uh, Phoenix. Yeah, Arizona. Uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, Phoenix. So I, uh, I was sitting in the front row, just like, oh my gosh, losing my mind. And it's funny because, um, the woman who interviewed him after she's like, and all the ladies were going crazy. Cause Jordan <laughs> ran off the stage and kissed his wife before he even came back here <laughs> to talk to us. And I was, cause he was to. just losing it. She's oh, it been so such awesome. a, such an incredible supporter of this whole thing ever since we met and believed in me. Yeah. Even when like, I did not look like I was going to be at that kind of level. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, a pretty incredible experience. So a day at a competition, are you able to, Brittany, are you able to help at, I mean, is there any role that you take on? Nope. I'm the backpack holder. Okay. So, <laughs> so there's nothing, I mean, it's going to sound she weird. my back. Okay. I, I was going to ask, like, but yeah. do you, I mean, you have to, I'm assuming shave your you entire shave body. Everything. everything. Yeah. And then you, and have, then you have to oil up or something, right? Basically they do, they that, do but you have to get, I, cause I'm pretty pasty white, mm. have to get uh, several coats of spray tan. Okay. And so, do you do that the day before? 
before? Yeah, day before and morning of. So it's a oh, weird stereotype with bodybuilders. They're like, do you really get spray tanned? And it's only for the stage. Like you try to get that stuff off as soon as possible. It's, yeah, I hate it, but. But that makes the, uh, helps the muscles show better. Exactly. Okay. Because you're under stage lights. Mm-hmm. So the lighter your skin is, the more it's going to wash out your lines. Ah. So it helps to get a more even look at everybody. Whereas, let's say, honestly, I'd be standing next to someone with darker skin. They're going to look leaner than me because I'm so I'm going to like look like a highlighter up there yeah. <laughs> with the stage lights on my skin. It's, it's going to look like I have no lines because right. I'm lighter. I'm more pale. So um, it gives everybody an even skin tone uh-huh. and the darker look shows more lines in the muscle. And that's why they do it. And so even down to like, I mean, if they don't do your tan right, you can get a different look from the judges because they're not going to be able to get an honest look at you. And if like, let's say they don't put, they put too much oil on or they don't put enough on and you look really dry, then you don't look the same with the light. Like there's so many details. So do you have somebody specific that there tans people, you and oils you? Well, there are people at the show okay. that, that work for ProTan as the company. Um, generally or like liquid sun rays. Yeah, and then yeah. I don't, I don't remember who did the one at USA's, but, I don't know, but this, this last show was pro tan. Most of them really know what they're doing. Well, there I was a time so. though at USA's, I, I got my last coat of tan on. And uh, luckily I had one of my buddies back there and he's like, dude, there's no way they put enough on you. Like you're going to look different from everybody else. And so he got me with another person that was working back there and they got, got my tan right. But whereas oh. I would have looked too light, too light and I may have not, I mean, could have been the difference of the show, which yeah. sounds crazy, but literally you diet that long, you work that hard. And then for you to lose because the Based on your getting, spray tan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. It's crazy to think horrible. that, but it truly, I mean, like you have to be so, have so much attention to detail. Well, and even for um, the darker skin athletes that are up there, they still need to get oil, but you can hear the judges or at least not the judges, the people who um, emcee the show. Mm -hmm. They're also very involved in bodybuilding and uh, they they can, they kind of know what's going on. Well, not the emcees, the commentators. The commentators. Thank you. Um, So so they'll even say, Hey, that darker skin guy, they didn't oil him up enough. He looks way too like grainy and dry. dry. Like he's the not, looks he looks too dry. So it really, you have it's to have like, a balance. yeah, it's or very like, much so a balance. And you also don't want to on show day, you want a good balance of your water intake too. Right. So we yeah. restrict water a lot into the show. Whereas usually I'm drinking like six liters every day prior to the show. Then the day of the show we were, and probably two days prior to start restricting water a little bit. So you don't have the water weight. You don't mm-hmm. want, yeah, you don't want to sweat on stage. Oh. Because then the tan runs. It'll drip. Yeah. I and so think about you're that. posing mm-hmm. a lot of times you're breathing heavy. It's really difficult. And if they go through three rounds, I'll be sweating. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like. I mean, how can you prevent that? And you've got stage lights on you. Well, if you're super low body fat, there's not much water you can hold oh, in the okay. skin. You you really I hardly that's where sweat you know when somebody is like when they're really shredded. really ready and then when somebody really is not yeah, yeah. Um, sweater if, versus if they, the non sweater yeah. yeah because if there's water under the skin you'll sweat and right. water mm-hmm. stored stored in body fat right so if you have a little bit of body fat left then you're probably gonna sweat yep it's huh. just cra- it's so many details how long are you having to hold these poses um I mean they may they'll probably call a pose so like you go into they call it your front relaxed pose, but really you're not, you know, relaxed, you're not relaxed at all. Like no. your quads are flexed. You're standing kind of 
upright with your lats flared and everything and, and waist controlled. And that's like your in-between poses. And then um, they'll call a pose and they'll compare back and forth. I mean, I don't know, 10, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 15 seconds, seconds sometimes. Oh, yeah. Do you? But do it you feels breathe? like an hour. You I bet have it to does. I mean, take really short breaths. So like. Because when you're breathing, you obviously yeah, right. are seeing, like you said before, your you can mid-section. very shallow. It's like shallow stomach You have to breaths. try to breathe. You have to learn to breathe through your diaphragm. <clears throat> right. And um, you have to try to keep your waist as tight as possible. And you basically have to kind of be out of breath and not And once you're backstage, then you can breathe. You just have to really be like super. <laughs> you can breathe. When yeah, you right, right, right. Seriously. I'll, I'll go off to the side of the stage after my round's done. And usually they'll have water or something. I'll get a sip of water because I'm like, you know, just went through all those rounds of posing. Right. And I'll kind of hide back there and let, let my body relax and let my waist go a little bit. Right. And then back on stage and it's back acting like you, your waist is just really tight and tucked in. How long do these competitions go on? Is it over a weekend? Is it over a few days? Typically? It depends. Usually it's the same day. It depends um, on the show. If it's a big enough show like USA's was, yeah, it's that was a, a Friday, two-day. Saturday show. Okay. It was a two day, but I hate two day shows. I prefer it to be done the <laughs> same day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like all that waiting in between. It's nerve wracking. So, so after Mr. USA, mm-hmm. then you're a pro now. Yeah. And what exactly does are people reaching out to you? What exactly does that mean? Because you obviously went recently to a pro my first competition. Pro show. Yeah, that was my pro debut. Pro show, okay. Yeah, and you got fifth. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Which is to me that just sounds it was huge amazing. For me. Yeah, and it was actually they said that that show was the most competitive show in the U.S. aside from the Arnold Classic. Wow. So, um, and the Olympia, which is like you have to win a pro show to go there, but. I mean, to top five in that show, I was extremely excited. Do you um, pick a show that you – Yeah, you so I chose the it? Texas Pro, and the reason for that was um, I chose that show two years prior when I went pro um, because my coach lives there, and it would be just super easy to finish the prep in the last several days there in Texas with him at his house. Um, and it was funny because all of this year – leading up to the show, I'm seeing these pro shows go by and I'm like, gosh, I would have done well at that show. I would have mm. done well at that show. So you're almost like regretting yeah, in a way. Totally. Well, Texas pro wound up being uh, the top, one of the top like three Olympians in the world were well, two. there. Yeah. Oh. Two. yeah. So, so Andrew, his nickname is, his name is actually like Chinadu something. But it's literally Chinadu. I don't know what, they call him Andrew Jacked. Okay, it's and easier. So, he's and from Nigeria, he, right? He won the show, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's Nigerian. The one you were in. Yeah, so and then second. um, and then Hunter Labrada was second. And those guys are both top 10 Olympians. So they're both top 10 in the world. I already knew they were going to be there. And then uh, Carlos Thomas, buddy of mine, he won nationals the year I won USA's. So those are the, like literally – if you win nationals or USA, you're like the best amateur mm-hmm. in the world of that great. year. Those are the two biggest titles. And so we had nationals overall winner from 2021. Mm-hmm. Then the nationals overall winner of 2020 was there doing his pro debut. And then me, I was the Mr. USA winner. And then uh, Lewis Breed, he he was... Uh, He's from the UK. Yeah, and he like top three to Tampa a few weeks prior. I mean, it was like extremely competitive um, but just to have two top 10 Olympians at that same show, I'm like, gosh, this is ridiculous. And then in all the other shows I'm seeing, 
literally guys I've beaten before do mm. really well. And um, so it was kind of like, gosh, I should have done another show, but <laughs> and I, at the I pro always level, stick to my you, commitments. You can so. win um, prize, like you get cash prizes. Yeah. Yeah. So like five. winner gets 10 grand generally right. of every pro show um, down to like only a thousand for a fifth place, but still so good. But, so, but, but the biggest thing we're all striving for is an Olympia qualification. Mm -hmm. If you win a pro show, you're qualified to go to the Olympia. Only if you win. You have to win a pro show. Okay. Yeah. It, so it's, it's, it's pretty tough to get there. Go back to the fact you won in 2021, yeah. became a pro. Mm -hmm. Why do you wait for two years? Is, do you have to wait a certain amount of time don't, for, to prepare? You can jump in the next month if you want to. Okay. But it's like, are you going to be competitive right. or not? And I went pro at about 225 pounds as a heavyweight. So heavyweight class tops out at 225. Over 225 pounds, you're a super heavyweight class, and that's just 225 and up. But in the pros, there's no weight class. Mm. So Andrew Jacked was 270 pounds mm -hmm. at like 6'2". He's humongous. Hunter Labrada is like 260 on stage. So we're talking a difference of a, 35 pounds of difference. muscle, mm -hmm. you know? So like, what am I going to do at 225 against those guys? So I needed two years to pack on as much muscle as possible. And I put 20 pounds of muscle on. So I was 243 on show day at Texas Pro. So I made the absolute most of that two years, that off yeah, season. Um, so it, it takes a lot of time. My story has basically been... I've competed very little, but I've done a lot of improving. Mm -hmm. So like I competed in 2018 at 195. I told you about that show. Right. I didn't compete again until 2021. <laughs> yeah. And I put 30 pounds on in between. So it's like, you know, bodybuilding is about competing, but if you don't take enough time to improve, then you're not going to do gonna much. Do well. So I'm glad I took the time off. Um, in the meantime, I got sponsored by Condemned Labs, a supplement company, um, and it's a salary sponsorship. So I work for them, um, and do content for them and stuff. And in the meantime, I quit my regular job and do, I'm doing full-time fitness and bodybuilding coaching and everything. And so every bit of my income now comes from the world of bodybuilding. And so, um, and more opportunities have come, mm -hmm. um, after Texas pro I signed, um, a sponsorship with this company I'm wearing a t-shirt for is gasp and better bodies. It's two, two brands within the same umbrella. It's one of the biggest bodybuilding clothing companies. Um, and they are based out of Dallas, Texas. Another reason why you're moving. Yeah. yeah. So okay. going to be very involved with their gym that they have their destination Dallas. And, um, that was a huge thing for me. I literally, I've told everybody this 10 years ago when I started, I bought, a tank top from them. And I said, it's my dream to be sponsored really? by this company. Oh, amazing! And I was mm -hmm. watching like YouTube videos of one of their guys, branch Warren. He was like top two in the world for years. Um, you know, videos of him training, like just motivated by all these guys at this level. And it's funny. I was just in the same gym as him training and hanging out with him the other day in Houston. So it's just crazy. Probably all this stuff has happened. It's you. very surreal. And, yeah. and just being on stage with these people that you know. Oh, yeah. 
like you said, are in top 10 Olympia. Yeah. And I've been, fan, I've been a fan of Hunter. Them. Yeah. So yeah, he's been watching Hunter for a really long time. And now he years. just went and stayed at his house for five or six days and yeah. then become good friends. So, so Hunter, cool. the Labrada name is like actually pretty famous in bodybuilding because Lee Labrada, his dad mm-hmm. was a top 10, top five Olympian in the nineties. And I was always a fan of Lee. And then, uh, of course, Hunter kind of was a child prodigy to be uh, a big name bodybuilder now. And he's been as high as fourth in the world. And so I was a fan of both of theirs. And then this past week I was in Houston. Yeah. Staying with Hunter training at Labrada HQ, Labrada gym, which is a private facility um, where they run their supplement company and everything out of. And just crazy stuff like that, where I was, I remember watching Hunter when I was, 18 like Mm -hmm. okay what does hunter do for arms and you know watching what he does and then now i'm competing with him and it's really weird but it's pretty cool it's been an amazing experience what what is so now that you've done this competition Mm -hmm. do you jump into another pro competition because now the goal is is to to qualify for sure okay yeah so we were on the edge of jumping right into another show Cause I was like, if I can top five at this show, I can definitely like top three or maybe win another show. There's a lot of other top level pros that reached out to me. They're like, dude, you could have won a pro show earlier in the year um, with that look that you had on stage. And I thought about doing it. There was like one more USA show that would have qualified me or I could have traveled to Italy or Spain or uh, there was a few other ones. I can't remember. I can't remember all the other shows. There was like maybe four other European shows I could have jumped into. I don't think I would have won those. Um, they were pre- they were pretty competitive. So I decided I was going to shut it down and do another improvement season shorter this time and compete next summer. So, okay. so right that's... now I'm in another phase of trying to add as much muscle and size as possible then hopefully maybe next year I can be like a little over 250 on stage and be more competitive with these guys at, at their size. How know? early do you have to sign up for these? And is there limited you, spaces you for can, them? Or No, as no. many guys, okay. can, whoever wants to sign up can jump, can jump up. in. There's, uh, I think you, you can't sign up generally after two weeks out. You have to sign the contract by then. They make special exceptions, obviously, if you're a big name guy. They'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, yeah, you can jump mm-hmm. in. Guys course, jump yeah. in last minute. But in general, they have rules for it. Um, but I like to sign up last minute because sometimes I don't want to sign a contract and have to bail on it. If something happens, you can get injured. Something with family can come up. Generally, you hope nothing like that happens. Right. But that's why I'm like – I wait until the last minute, even though I'm fully planning on doing it. So do you have one in mind or do you know yet? I really don't. And Um, are there a lot of them? There's, there's quite a few. I would say, I would say there's around 20 to 25 uh, Olympia qualifiers. So generally there's like 20 ish guys that go, well, no, I'd say there's about 20 because top five, if you place top five at the Olympia, you're automatically requalified. Mm. And usually those guys won't do another show during the year. And when is the Olympia competition? It's uh, this year. It's first week of November. 
before COVID, it was always like in September, but they bumped it back. Bumped Something it. happened. So yeah, we were supposed so to go this year for the first we're time moving ever, but the we're week moving. Before. <laughs> yeah. Just so, to go see it. You were going to go. We wanted to go see it. Go yeah. Cause it, yeah. it's in Florida this year. Yeah, um, and it used to be in Las Vegas. I don't care for Vegas. I don't and we, go to yeah, Vegas. we don't, we're <laughs> just not, we don't like that part that scene. of that scene. So right. we were like, rather not. Yeah. We'd rather just watch it from home. I think they're going to have it in pizza. Orlando for a while. Yeah. So it's, um, uh, I was talking with Hunter this last week. He's like, well, you haven't been yet. You might as well make your first yeah. time there the time you're competing in it. So there you go. there's a lot of people that are pretty confident that I could win a pro oh, show next year, absolutely. including my coach. And he, it's funny. My coach is very slow at giving me positive feedback because he knows it drives me. Mm. So like literally the day I got into Texas prior to the Texas pro He's looking at me and he's like, he's kind of in person giving me feedback, whereas usually it's through email. He's like, okay, all right, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Like not <laughs> like like kind of man. Nothing real encouraging. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like am I even on track? Like, am I even gonna do good? Wait until the last minute and then he starts getting all hyped up, you yeah. know. He doesn't he likes for my emotions to stay level mm-hmm. and not to get too excited, too over uh too into my head or anything. Mm-hmm. But after that show, he was like, I can confidently say, like, this is our road to the Olympia mm-hmm. next year's next year's the year that we should him and quite a few other people have said, if if I don't qualify for the Olympia, I have every right to be disappointed. So it's really it's really within my grasp to yeah. be at that level next year. Uh, so, well, I yeah. look forward to seeing that. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're hoping for. <laughs> so um, what are they You've, you've highlighted a little bit, but what are they judging? Like, what do you get points for? I, I understand some of the deductions is if you relax a little bit or if yeah. they don't, you know, if one area looks weaker. But what, as they're going through this, what what are they giving you points for? So there's a there's several that are really big. So the main two are muscularity and conditioning. So the most muscle packed on your frame and how lean are you? So like, like how many lines they can see? Yeah, okay. Just crazy low body fat. So I mean, we're talking, you know, the difference of seven percent body fat and like three percent body fat. It's a massive, massive that's, difference. That's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So the greatest of all time was Ronnie Coleman, if you've ever heard of him. And he was humongous and just absolutely we call it peeled. When you're just like super shredded, you're just, there's nothing between the skin and the muscle. There's no body fat. There's no water. It's just skin right up against the muscle. And you can see every striation, every detail. The muscle looks grainy. So there's those two. Muscularity and conditioning are the biggest in bodybuilding. But then there's stuff like shape. So, um, you know, the shape of the bodybuilder. Yeah. like, Like if they have a small waist versus and then big shoulders big legs but guys with thicker waists don't generally do as well um and their structure like i have great structure for bodybuilding which you can't train um i have wider shoulder bone structure so like a guy can put on as much muscle as possible but if his bones aren't structured wide enough like his clavicles and his shoulder bone structure isn't as wide as mine, I'm going to look bigger hmm. just because I'm built. Like you can't do anything wider. about that. You right? can't do anything about <laughs> right. it. And so it really is at that point, at that level, it's like, 
a lot of this stuff is God given. Yep. Genetics. And I'm just thankful and... that it, it's like at that point, you either know you're built for it or you're not. You're not. Right. So um, shape and structure is big and balance, like you said. So making sure you're not huge up top and then your legs are a little lacking. So mm -hmm. they're going to look at really tiny details of like, all right, his hamstrings just aren't right. Or his, his, his calves aren't developed enough or his triceps. They're going to look at specific muscles of what's missing on this guy that this other guy has balance, you know, and you want everything to be very even and flow in the physique. So, so. How, how is this, I mean, this question for both of you, but mm -hmm. mentally you're, I mean, you are getting scrutinized sure. and people don't like to be scrutinized, <laughs> you know, I mean, in general of, of, of being judged. I mean, obviously you're in a competition, so it's a little bit different, but, but how, how do you deal with that mentally when you're, when you're up there or when you're training? I mean, I know you haven't done a show, Brittany, but, but just at, especially women, I think, well, actually men too, they're but looking at themselves. It is especially hard for women. Yeah. I mean, to look at themselves and, and feel good about themselves, especially when you're trying to, I mean, most of the time it's like, I want to be skinnier, you know, right, but, right. but for this, it's, you're, you're on a scrutiny level that is beyond yeah. most people. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a very honest thing for me to say that I'm a very self-conscious, not confident person. Mm. I never have been. I don't think I ever will be. Um, but I will say the older I get, and the closer to God that I get, the more I don't look at my physical being. But I will say when I was in it, I was so hard on myself. Mm -hmm. I was like picking the skin off of my stomach and I'm like, I'm not ready. And he's like, you're insane. Or like yeah. looking at my calves and I'm like, why are my veins not showing? He's like, they are. He's well, like, well, you're crazy. Never they good like you said, right. it's harder for women because it is in general, women are more self-conscious about mm -hmm. their bodies for me, I see it as sport and competition. So right. like there are things where like I'll talk to her about something and I'll say, I'm not being like self-conscious about this. I'm just being realistic. This needs to change or I need to do better about this or this. But it's more competitive. Yeah, level. it's not emotional. It's not like it gives me any less confidence in myself mm. or makes me feel like oh, I'm lesser of a person because my biceps aren't as big as this other guy. It's just like a competitive drive of like, well, I want to because then that'll make me better and that'll get me to the next level. And that's the only th way I think mm -hmm. there are plenty of guys that literally if they get judged poorly at a show or people are harsh on social media, criticizing mm -hmm. them or criticizing their physiques, they get really down and depressed about it or sure. get super self-conscious some bodybuilders are bodybuilders because they are self-conscious that the sport attracts a lot of people like that. Mm -hmm. For me, it's always been just strictly sport, but I can tell you, I know a lot of females, it, it they should not be in the sport because they allow it to affect their mentality too mm -hmm. much. Right. And it's really negative. It becomes right, because it's very hard to go from being very lean to putting back on body fat because you look at yourself one month and mm -hmm. you're, your abs, you know, your, your legs are shredded. And then the next you month can't sustain that. Right. And obviously that's not how we're how supposed works. to walk around year round, right. low but body fat, that low body fat is not healthy for long periods. Right. But then like a lot of women will look at themselves a couple weeks later, once they start putting on body fat and they're, 
they're very upset with themselves. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women wind up having eating disorders and or stretching out their preps where they just never get out of that mentality. (laughs) They'll never stop. They never want to gain an ounce of body fat and just try to stay lean year round that, that level of leanness year round. And it's just so unhealthy. It's so, so unhealthy, especially for women. We are built to carry body fat. We have to, in order to be healthy amount, a healthy amount, right? Women, like if you look at generally like body fat standards for women and men, women's body fat percentages are always Always going to be higher higher. Mm -hmm. than men. It's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. So for women to always want to walk around like with quad lines, like that's just not normal. Yeah. And I, you know, I think going through this, um, Hopefully um, this isn't a horrible thing to say, but I do believe that this is a man's sport. It's, it's I think that men, I think in that general. in general for, for I, I just, since I've gone through, well, you've it, gone through it, right. I just think that this is, this sport belongs to men. It's, it's <laughs> I just, do. It's in, just in way general, too hard. Men are more, men are less emotional about it. Right. But there's plenty of guys that should not do this sport. Yeah. Mentally, just because it's like, man, feel. this is not healthy yeah. for you. You have a bad relationship with food. You're too into how you look and like you're self-conscious and you're binging one day and then you're back to yo-yo dieting back and forth. Yeah. And it's just for some people, it's just not mentally healthy because it it requires an extreme level of discipline. Mm-hmm. And now for women, it's not that the discipline part is difficult, but you have the aspect of a lot of women are heavily affected by how people would judge their bodies Mm -hmm. and their, their beauty and, and what a judge says is now possibly their standard of whether or not they're beautiful. And, um, and then that turns into, you know, I should eat a certain way all year round to, so that I'm beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, and then they judge their standards that way and it can become really unhealthy. So, you know, um, but for the sense of like your body functioning hormonally as a female, you have to have a certain level of body fat as well as fats in your diet. Mm-hmm. So it, it can really throw off your hormones doing a, a, a prep where your fats in your diet have to come to a certain level. They go lower in your diet to get to a certain level of body fat and then your hormones go haywire. Well, we were, we were talking, Brittany and I were talking off mic a little bit, mm -hmm. um, about, you know, you trying to be healthier and like, that's one of these things that as you've stepped back, um, that you, you just overall, you've had a hard time with some health issues. Yeah. Um, some of it, like you said earlier was prior to that. Yeah. Some of it was prior. Um, but hormonally, um, Stepping out of this, I, I thought it was going to be a lot worse, but it was not great. Um, I had tanked some of my female hormones because I was so such low body fat for, for so several months. Um, and everything, like we said, starts with the diet and starts mm-hmm. in the gut. And right. Your gut controls a lot of your hormones. Yeah. So, and that was another thing. Um, that was another thing. That's actually what we're, what we're dealing with now. Cause my hormones have come to a beautiful optimal level. Um, I'm very, very healthy in that aspect. And all of my blood work this time around after like six or seven months of working on it has been perfect, uh, very healthy. But then now on the a- other aspect of it is my gut, which I've had, um, several issues with over a long time. Uh, but we finally just got down to like the nitty gritty of what exactly is going on. 
Um, I'm actually really upset because I'm losing my doctor once we move to Texas Mm -hmm. because he only practices in North Carolina, but, um, he's been wonderful, but I did, um, like a GI map and I got the results back and now we're finally working those things out, uh, which is now to my diet phase of low FODMAP, AKA eating nothing. (laughs) Anything that's very low inflammatory foods. So another thing that's huge in bodybuilding is digestion. Yeah. So you have to pay attention to how your body digests all these foods too. So, and that translates to what she's dealing with right now with her diet phase, but Right. But it things things just changed for me mentally of what I thought I wanted. Um, you know, I think I touched on it before that I'm 32 and um, we would love God to bless us with a child. And that's really what I looked at for long term. I think the bodybuilding prep for me was short term uh, desire. Mm-hmm. And then really I had to take a step back and see what the long term desire was. And the long term desire is to be a mom and and for us to have a family and, you know, you can't, you can't do both. And it was hard for her because she, I lived this lifestyle all year. So it was almost like, well, I want to jump in and see how this works for me too. You know, cause she, she's always lived the, the lifestyle as in eat healthy, probably weigh out your food every day for the most part. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, eat, we've eaten the same thing. Like, She's eating chicken and rice. I'm eating chicken and rice, you know, like, so you're already living the lifestyle. She's like, why don't I just do a show? So, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, now she's kind of leveled out to where she's in a happier place with just overall being generally healthy. She's trying to figure out what kind of training she wants to get into next that motivates her and drives her because when you don't have a target anymore, it's easy to lose sight of like, well, what do I want to do with my time? Yeah, I will say, um, you know, I've gone through phases of like what motivates me and what I what I want and what I want out of training. Right now, in this time period of my life, nothing motivates me. <laughs> right. I'm kind of just you gotta like, find mo- that thing. Yeah, I'm kind of just motivated to focus on like eating really healthy and feeling my best gut wise. Mm-hmm. And right now, I'm in a good place or and getting to an even better place with that. But I'm like, what is going to motivate me for my fitness? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love high intensity training. Um, It's not practical to do it every single day because I'm also somebody who I did not know. I have higher cortisol than a lot of other people Um, and high intensity training causes very high cortisol. What, so is that, what does that mean? High, like intensity, high intensity interval training. Interval You're talking training. about hit training. Yep. Hit training. So high intensity training is um like uh, six rounds of 10 air squats, 10 crunches, it's 10 intervals. pull-ups, okay. it's intervals. And then, you know, you'll do multiple different rounds of things like that, but your heart rate is always like 150 really or above. Rest you much. don't rest. And that's not good for you. It's not, it's, it's not, not that it's not you. bad for you, but it's not, it's not well, great personally. to do every single day right. because um, it does raise your cortisol levels. Okay. Um, so the, your, your adrenals in your body are what help you, to have like your fight or flight response, your hmm. to raise and lower your levels of anxiety, of stress, and everything like that. And, and I am so not good at balancing that. Yeah, so you don't want really high cortisol levels, which when you train, your cortisol levels go up. Then you want that to come back down to regulate your stress, your anxiety, things, just your general overall mood. So you know if you're killing high intensity intervals and 
not eating the right diet and you're crushing caffeine and stimulants all day and stuff like that, your adrenal glands are going to get taxed. And Mm -hmm, that's what she's basically getting at. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm trying to develop a plan for Texas where I'm like, Monday, I'll do high intensity. Tuesday, I'll go and train. Wednesday, I'll have off. Maybe Thursday, I'll run and do some, you know, and I'm just like, I just want to do something different, but I want to be athletic. I want to be healthy. I want to be able to run uh, a mile, two miles, three miles to relax because running is a big stress relief, as I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I also want to be um, I want to I just want to fill every gap of just being very athletic and healthy and fit. It's um, just a very good balance. Yeah. Something sustainable. Isn't balanced. What is that, it? I was saying bodybuilding isn't balanced. So she's trying to come to a point where she's more balanced. Whereas bodybuilding, you kind of have to be obsessive to do. Right. To do. When you've been in that world for, for a long time. Just too long. Yeah. It was like, I, it's funny. I was actually just having, I'm, I, I'm very close with my previous boss uh, in the dental world that I lived in and worked for 13 years. Uh, and her and I are very similar. We would sit and obsess over food and just, you know, we, we would allow ourselves to like, it came to the point where I would want something and I would chew it and I would spit it out. And doesn't it, sound healthy. It's not healthy. <laughs> I, I've gone through, yeah. I've gone through really bad binge eating disorders. Mm-hmm. I've gone through uh, starving myself and mm-hmm. and going for a mile run to like try to burn off the food right. and excuse the binging that I did the right. night before. Um, I'm in a really beautiful place now great, where great spot, I am yeah. not obsessed over food. And awesome. I actually just need a little bit to sustain me every meal. And I'm great. Um, but, you know, it it definitely creates um, some dark places when you when you allow yourself to get to that point. You know, you just obsess. And I think that's where I am now is I don't want to obsess. I want other things to bring me joy than just like focusing on one crazy big thing right. of bodybuilding. And I, and it's wonderful for him because he knows how to balance it. Um, he can balance work, bodybuilding, uh, his clients, everything like that is perfectly balanced where I was just like bodybuilding, 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 mm-hmm. you know? Right. So, And then getting that obsessive, right. Yeah. Consuming your mind with things that it doesn't need to be consumed with. Right. And, because then it becomes negative and then exactly. the things like the binge eating and then the the exercise disorder and all those stuff exactly. it can creep in so easily mm-hmm. and before you know it it's it's taken over yeah. and you're no longer your identity is no longer in in your faith it's mm-hmm. or it, it's in what other people think of you or exactly. in the negativity that you're feeding your mind exactly and you know i've i've always been a big even with my kids i'm just like you know in, in my faith and your faith too, it's like your identity is in Christ Absolutely. and who he says you are, which is the, this things, this things, these things, you know, right. You're a masterpiece. You're beautiful. Absolutely. You are loved. You are, you know, the way God created you to be. And he has a future. He has a purpose for you and don't listen to yourself. I mean, we can be our worst critic for sure. and don't listen to other people. That's exactly what has been running through my mind the day that I quit is God has a plan for you and you are good enough. Mm-hmm. You don't need you to are. be better. You and are. That's what's sad about a lot of people in yeah. my sport is they're very lost and I hate to see it. They put so much stock in, in how they do on stage or what people on social media think of them. Right. And 
if that's not going for them, they're so lost, so depressed, so down. And it's because they don't have that, they don't have that faith. And that's something that we strive to do is share our faith with other people through the industry, because it's, I wouldn't say it's completely uncommon. There's a good bit of people that, that know the Lord and that, that, um, have a solid faith or maybe are in the beginning stages of it. But there's a lot of people that are very, very um, just self-consumed and, Mm -hmm. um, and it's very hard to see because if they have one thing go wrong, an injury or a show goes bad or their career is starting to decline, like they're just so unhappy and it's sad to see because it can't be all about that. Right. Because I mean, at some point, that's going to fail for sure. (laughs) And you know, you're no longer going to be able to build muscle and, you know, do these things and look a certain way. And social media is, and I can imagine, (laughs) you know, now that you have, you are a pro, how hard that is because not only are you judged at a competition, but people are constantly judging what you post (laughs) and they can be, they can be mean because some of the comments I've gotten, I mean, so, and I've talked a lot about this on my Instagram, Mm -hmm. more to people that I'm like, Hey, if you struggle with, you know, like self doubt or, or these kind of comments that people leave on your page, like bother you or are hurtful and really mess with your head, please talk to me because I have comments that I've shown her that I'm like, if I was a really depressed individual and like I had a hard time with this kind mm-hmm. of stuff, this would have crushed me. Mm-hmm. But I know it's just somebody behind a keyboard that is at home and they're jealous or they're mad at their life or yeah, they're they don't feel miserable. good about themselves. Yeah. So the only way they know how to feel good is to put somebody else exactly. down. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's sad. It's bullying through yeah. social media. Yeah. And it's truly like the bigger you get on social media, mm-hmm. the more it comes. I'll have a post that goes viral on social media and gets a lot of views. Those are the ones that get the most negative review, the most negative comments, and mm-hmm. the most like more just hateful comments. Exposed. Like, oh man! I mean, there's a there's a a video I put up of me eating a donut post show, and they were just videoing my reaction because obviously I haven't had a donut in so like good so long. <laughs> and to me, it's like incredible, and and it yeah. almost has a million views. It's at like 900 something thousand views. But the comments that some people have been commenting lately, like, what's with all the hate on this post? This guy's just eating a donut. And Seriously. People are literally like, this is so cringy and talking down about bodybuilders or making fun of me for whatever, I, anything they can pick apart in the right. video. And it's like, it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll comment back just to, I should, probably shouldn't. But, and I'll, <laughs> I won't say anything really mean, but I'll kind of joke back. Right. Just, just to kind of like, dude, are you really, are you really saying that on, on here? Like right. you have nothing better to say, but, but people are that way. They don't like to see people successful or happy. Mm-hmm. So, and they'd also don't realize there's a person behind I there. Know. They see it as like, oh, this is just some per- person that's popular on social media. You know, they won't see my comment and they're just like successful or whatever, but there's a person behind that that reads it. And okay. so it definitely is hard for a lot of people. I don't struggle with it. Thankfully. Um, but there's a lot of people that struggle with that and one comment will ruin their day, you know, and it's pretty sad because people are pretty brutal Mm -hmm. in the world. (laughs) They they are to to anybody and everybody, you know, that's just how it is. But the more exposed you are, the worse, the worse it can be. And, you know, I will, if you don't mind, put your social media (laughs) links in the show notes so that people 
can say wonderful things about you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> but you know, it's it's this has been fun for me because it, like I said before, it's something I I don't know, and I know a lot of the people that listen to my podcast. This will be unexpected, yeah. and something that they can learn from, and now get to know your sport and what's yeah. involved in that. And I I just, you know, we're all in this together, and for sure. And like like you said, Brittany, we you know you you've got to find your thing mm-hmm. that that inspires you, that motivates you, and it's nice to hear what inspires people mm-hmm. and. And keeps them going, and you know, looking to the next thing and the next thing. And yours just, you know, yours just happens to be competition and in yeah. bodybuilding. And you know, you've already said your next thing is to try to get another show mm-hmm. and um, win that show, mm-hmm. and you know, then be, then win the big show. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, well, <laughs> eventually, I hope I can like top ten in the Olympia. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the long. Long term goal, probably top it's, top maybe top ten in the world would be that really would be awesome. insane. <laughs> I'll say I knew you win, <laughs> <laughs> and you're moving to Texas in a few days, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Next like, weekend, yeah, week and a half, yeah. Yep. And how are you feeling about that? Feeling really good. There's a lot of craziness going on in the world yeah. that's making her a little nervous. My I, my fear has been a little overrun right now, just with um, uncertainty of the world. Right. Um, and I'm trying not to be fearful right. uh, just because my faith is a lot bigger than my fear. But it's very hard to tell your flesh not to fear mm-hmm. a lot of things when you see it right in your face. We have a lot of people here in Asheville. So we'd be going to a place that there's not a ton of family and friends. But right. we're mean, just leaving something comfortable uh, yeah. and going to something new. It's but unknown. But we do have a lot of support there. Yeah. Uh, if we were like. I'm confident. Yeah. If we were ever feeling uneasy of a situation going on in the world. We have four houses to run to, which is great. great. Um, But it's just an unfamiliar feeling because we don't know, you know, we've never even seen the neighborhood where we're living. We did it all online as as of everybody the last couple of years. Right. So, um, you know, we don't know exactly where we're going to be. So when uncertain times are happening and unfolding in the world, I'm like messaging him. I'm like, we don't even know our neighbors. Like right now we know our neighbors for, cause we've been living yeah. there for almost two and a half years or whatever. Yeah. We're, you know? we're excited though. But I, but the excitement is more than the fear. That's so I'm very excited. Coming. Well, we yeah. will miss you here. Yeah. I, we're, miss you guys too. I think that was the biggest decision. We've and the hardest decision was time. to make was leaving Brookstone. Or leaving our which church. Is, which is a church. Yeah. <laughs> for those who are listening, it's yeah. the church that we all go to yeah. Brookstone church. So well, I just appreciate you being on here. Is there Thank any you. advice that you would give to the people that are listening or, you know, maybe it's a go-to verse um, that that just makes you feel comforted? I, I don't know. Do you have anything that you would want to say? I think it's Ephesians 3.20. No. No, it's the Jeremiah verse. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, mm-hmm. plans for good and... Um, I'm not good at quoting verses. I know that that <laughs> one's actually in Jeremiah. Right, it is. I'm wrong. Yes. Ephesians 3.20 is a different verse. But, um, you know, that one, there's there's so many verses that give me a lot of confidence and um, give me promise regardless of whatever happens. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had ups and downs in this journey of mine that are very uncertain. And I've just always been like, you know, like if I get injured tomorrow and I'm out of the gym forever, I know there's a plan for me. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like my life does not rely on bodybuilding or on 
any of my plans. It's all on God's plan. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like whatever's going on with your career, with whatever's going on with um, your fitness journey, whatever it may be, whether it's ultra running or, or bodybuilding or just going to the gym and just trying to be healthy and in shape in general, like God has a plan, do everything for the glory of God. Um, there's a verse that also says everything your hand has, you do do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Mm. And that's, that's the way I've always done this. And so that I can share my faith with other people within what I do, because yeah, what I do with bodybuilding is cool. It's great, but that's not my purpose here. I do that to fulfill my purpose of sharing the gospel with other people. So um, my advice is just to do everything you do confidently knowing there's a plan for you and knowing that God gave you the ability to do whatever you do, but he also has a plan for you regardless of the waves that come along the way. So, Yeah. And I guess uh, I'm kind of similar with that is, you know, God created you exactly the way that you are and that you, you are a gift from him and, and everything that you do on earth is just of giving the glory to him. Right. So, uh, for me, I guess just advice wise is, um, you know, it's, it's not life may seem like a sprint, but it's a marathon, you know, just keep going every single day, uh, whether it takes you a few days to do something, just try to stay as consistent as possible with whatever your goals may be, make them positive, make them fun. Uh, don't give up and just keep going and going and going until you reach your goal. And then when you reach that goal, you're going to magically have another one to reach, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just keep, just keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up on yourself just because someone else may be doing it a little bit quicker than you are. Doesn't mean that you're not going to get there. Um, and, uh, you know, just, I don't know. I, I know life is, uh, it's very fast and it's very difficult, but just find something that you love to do and just keep going for it. I think that's a great way to close. Thank you so much. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Facing Vert. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please like, follow, and share with your friends. You can also find us on Instagram at Facing Vert. If you'd like to reach out to me, message me there. I hope to see you at the top of the mountain.